Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Jordan Smith. And I'm Ben Smith. And you're listening to Yes Chef. This is the podcast where we go in search of our favourite chefs. Across some of London's top restaurants and top kitchens. Where we sit down and we find out what makes them tick. If you like food, you like chefs, you love this. Bon app. Hello, Yes Chef listeners. Welcome to another episode. What an episode we've got for you. We've got Selen Kasim of Oklava. Can I just say, Turkish food, it's my thing. You can get off it. He was very sharing. excited, was Ben. He was very excited. It's his favourite food, Turkish. And um, hopefully we can promote to the rest of this UK how good the Turkish food scene down it's in London is. It's not just a dirty kebab, is it? Well, this is the thing. I think the, the food scene in London for Turkish food is incredible. Yeah, Obviously, we live in near Stoke Newington, which is an absolutely stunning area for that kind of food. Big community. Oh, my God. How good were the smells when we were doing oh, that podcast? Oh, torture. The absolute prep, torture. The prepping bread, the prepping all sorts. And also, we yeah, you got to really enjoy this, people. So let's tuck up and tuck in. And let's crack on and begin. Hello. Can you hear me now? We can. Yeah? Should we talk about where we are first? Yeah. Go on. <laughs> All I, right, then. I haven't um, been here before. I've never, do you know, I've never been here before as well. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. I'm disappointed in the pair of you. We have reviewed it. It got a glowing review. It's just mine. I didn't get to comment. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I wrote a review, but I never went. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a different story. <laughs> I never published that. It's superb. So this is, we're in, we're in the... The heart of Shoreditch, would you say that? The heart? I would say it's the heart. It's the heart of Shoreditch. But um, yeah, pumping at Shoreditch. But at the moment, it's not that pumping. It's raining. Um, it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday morning, right? I think it's a Thursday. I think it's a Thursday, Thursday morning, Nick. God, yeah. You know what it's like. Were you out last night? As long as it's not weekend, you're all good. Yeah, it's a Wednesday morning. Um, someone just walked in with a, a jacket on the head, um, a makeshift umbrella. I wish I'd done that because I've got a wet... Horrible mop of hair. That's Chantel, the lovely manager. Is this Chantel, the lovely manager? Yeah. Give us a wave, Chantel. Hello. Look at that lovely, hey. look at that smile. <laughs> smile on a, wet, on a Thursday morning. There you go. Um, we're in Oclava and um, yeah, because it was it, it's just it's a beautiful little place. Um, yeah, first you went reviewed it. Yeah, I haven't been. Uh, well, Turkish food is my favourite food of all time. But I didn't. I didn't get to come. Someone else stole that review from me, so um, I need to come back. I'm Stoke Newington, right? So I, for the last eight nine years, my it's well, it is it's Turkish kind of mecca. Yeah. I mean, as far as 
Turkish places where you obviously you Turkish food you cook every day, you eat every day. Do you go out and do you do you, do you explore other Turkish restaurants? Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, um, I think if I had to pick a cuisine, it would it would be Turkish as well. That's just... a real surprise. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just you just can't beat like amazing grilled meats, salty, big salad, loads of bread. It's just so good. It's the meat on the bread for me. What do they call that? The meat on the bread. Do you know when when you go to a Turkish place and they get the and they get the big skewers yeah. and then you're looking up and they're just putting them on your on your bread and they're rubbing the meat juices on your bread. Yeah. I think it's just like called skills. Is that all it is? <laughs> yeah. Right, well, there you go. Meat bread. We'll have a meat bread. Were you trying to Google that and you just weren't getting anywhere? Um well yeah, I just go in there and just think like, but can I have some more meat on my bread, please, if possible? Yeah. And can I have loads of salad and can I have what's that amazing onions in pomegranate juice? Oh, oh yeah. God, I could die for that. Do you have them when they're charred? A little bit charred. In there. Oh yeah. Bit of turnip juice. Oh, pomegranate turn- malice. Yeah. Turn- right. Okay. All the um, secrets. Yeah, now. have you been to Testy? No. Right, I'm taking you to Testy okay. in Stoke Newington, right? It is unbelievable. Right, when I first moved down here, my friend did um he used to be a waiter, you know them waiters that just go in and get put on the job for one night. Yeah. And he did the Queen. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. He got to go and do the Queen. He didn't even realise it was like his third job, right? Obviously, he's dressed like a penguin. Do you know what I mean? He's got his little um, his little suit on and that. And they give him a fifty quid tip each, right? And we were both skint at the time. We're living on my mate's floor, and with that fifty quid, we went to test him. We had the mixed grill between us and a few mm-hmm. and a few FS, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was the first time I had lamb testicle. Any good? I really enjoyed it. He was put off by it. I didn't mind. It was very garlicky, but that's their kind of thing. Obviously, it being called testy as yeah. well, um, which is very good. But you should go there. It's very nice. It is packed from from morning till night. Like having kebabs at, t- at twelve noon. Do you know what I mean? I'll have to go and check it out. It's, it's a very different kind of vibe to this. Oh yeah, of course it is. I mean, talk us through this. This, this is inspired by that. I mean, by by the amazing, um, you know kebab places that you get you know in not only in london but further afield i mean the main inspiration for here is really um my heritage which my both my parents are from north cyprus um and you know we used to spend long old hot summers in cyprus and when i was very little we lived there for a little bit as well um and i grew up on my mum's cooking so it's very much home cooking and we don't we didn't eat kebabs every day but kind of as you would a roast you know as your nana's roast we had kebabs you know, and and I think from a young age, I was like, wow, everything tastes amazing cooked over charcoal. This is this is what I want to be doing. And were they cooking over charcoal at home, barbecue or on holiday? Or was it kind of like... Yeah, yeah, over charcoal. I'm jealous. Just like really, it's not it's not a big deal. Just the norm. You just like Casual charcoal. Casual charcoal. Better than the English barbecue. Yeah. Like my dad's doing sausages till they're black. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. that's written on it, isn't it? <laughs> better than an English barbecue. Well, look, do you know what I mean? But for us, for me, whenever I think, well, summer in the lakes, funny enough, wasn't that summery when I was a kid. There was one summer that was roasting and we had a few barbecues, but it wasn't really a big thing. But when you did have it, you went camping and you got the one from the... The garage on the way out, you know, the little kind of oh, terrible God, one that they're, is... Oh, God, they're awful, aren't they? Five pounds. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah. pointless. You might yeah. as well use a lighter and a stick, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But um, I just remember having terrible burgers, terrible things. And now, when you go to a barbecue now, you know, people are getting steaks on there, people are putting the cutlets on there. Ben, big big barbecue boy back in Newcastle. Oh, huge. My middle name was Barbecue when I was when I was a kid. It wasn't, though. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think it comes back to the to the weather. So when I was growing up, we go we go to the beach, um, and I can kind of remember getting corn, having corned beef sandwiches 
but you, you could literally taste the sand in them. You could see the wind. No barbecue. It's just, just corned beef sandwiches. Just corned corn <laughs> beef sandwiches, crisps, proper kind of English northern picnic, or, or all your favourites, all, all the crisps. We've kind of gone. Well, we normally start by asking people about their their first food memory. Oh uh, right. Um, I'm going to ask you. What's your first food memory? I would say mine is 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 in Cyprus, and it's probably um, my my grandmother's uh, bread. She makes this amazing bread, which I make here at Oktava now every day. Um, and it's spiced with baharat and then encrusted in sesame seeds and some nigella seeds. Um, and she used to cut thick old slices and cook it over an open flame to make some toast. And she made the world's best strawberry jam. Oh, yes. The world's, the world's best. That is a shout. I promise you. Loads of it as well. I Did she have it all ready for the year? Was it always stocked yeah. up? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because they, they, they used to grow everything themselves. Everything, everything. So you spent. So you didn't live there, but you spent a lot, every summer there, basically going up. Yeah, every summer. And was it kind of like that was the highlight? The, the, I'm going to get a great feed for six weeks. Yeah, <laughs> basically, of it was. It was um, oh, don't oh, worry about that. I'm it's sorry. fine. Um, yeah. It, sorry, God, I'm ruining it. Um, <laughs> I like it because we're on it. We're, we're a gig, a festival. <laughs> get in there. <laughs> talking about talking about jam. Come on, you, hello, Redin. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it definitely was the highlight of the summer, but I think at the time I didn't um, appreciate it as much as I do now. You know, being a young kid and undercover and have to, you know, spend this long summer and you'd be on the beach all the time or whatever and then you go back home um, and grandmother had like prepared loads of food and stuff, which is the absolute ideal and dream. But, you know, I had, I had two older sisters as well and they, you know, quite a bit older than me so they um, were always at the point of like wanting to just go out with their friends or whatever and not be stuck in this little village in the middle of nowhere basically so I used to kind of bounce off of them and be like oh god it's a bit rubbish being here isn't it (laughs) yeah it's a bit rubbish did you have any sand in your food while you're at the beach no 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 we used to have big old kind of banquet tables laden with grilled meats and salads Stop and it, you've ruined it. breads you've ruined it. You're and mezzas and dolma. Corned beef, corned beef and sand butties. Yeah. And you've gone home and you've Beautiful. got the deep. Yeah. I'm going to bring them, but you should bring them back at your place, man. I'd love to, corned beef ash for, for, for winter. I'm doing that. Um, that sounds amazing. So where did you, you, so where did you grow up then in England? Uh, in North London, where all the other Cypriots are. Uh, yeah, uh, in an area called Southgate. Um, yeah, grew up. My, I think I lived there since I was like two. So, whole life. It's now. always the grandma. It seems to go back to like it's always the mum or the grandma in the house. Like for me, it was the grandma. I grew up in a bakery, so my you know fresh bread was the norm. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it was like you know soda bread. For, I took it in my packed lunch for school, yeah. and your mates there with you know the arse end of two horses. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was some dairy or Lee or whatever. And I, I don't know. There's something about that. I mean, like the grandma thing, and like. You take it for granted, don't you? And then yeah. you realise, oh my God, fresh bread. I mean, like, who does that? But then this, so this, that inspired you a lot here then? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I I mean, I think writing the menu for Oglover when it first opened was like a good two-year um, build-up. And I started testing out some dishes and stuff. But there was just a bank of ideas of, of basically my grandmother's, mostly my grandmother's, like recipes or kind of, tastes and flavours of certain things that she did whether it was like the way that she dressed the salad or whatever you know and I think all of that went onto the menu number one and then in the first six months of opening like we really kind of like nailed that and the, and those and those flavours which are very much 
day in day out a part of Oklahoma now. But if I think back to it, that was that was very much like, and then the heartbeat of the menu kind of was, was all about yeah those summers. It so, really so is those, like, those summers. That was your, your grandma cooking yeah and when you were back here not on your six weeks summer holidays <laughs> yeah, yeah so your, your mom was the cook she, she was yeah. cooking in your family yeah so what, what was the kind of food that she was cooking mum was would always do like and she still does it's just everyday everyday cooking so then the stuff like we talked a lot already about the grilled meats and stuff and that is what people know of turkish food mum just did home cooking stuff like yahnis which is basically like um tomato oniony kind of stews with various vegetables um she did quite like a lot of meat definitely a lot of meat but then again some people don't realize that actually turks eat a lot of uh, vegetables there's it's a lot really of olive oil based dishes exactly tomato based dishes and stuff because it's all the amazing produce right especially in cyprus i mean it's just sun-drenched um produce is incredible so um although i think it's easier now to get the get the good produce over here for mum but years ago it was it was definitely uh, you know a bit harder as well but um yeah I'd wake up every morning I think to the smell of like frying onions and then something would come from that you know she'd just spend all day cooking mm, that is a hard smell to ignore isn't it, <laughs> it certainly That's, is it's one of the best <laughs> as a chef though do you feel that like you're ever going to be able to do that I mean at home do you know that thing what you grew, what you grew up at, can you bring that onto you because obviously you work a hell of a lot yeah. with two restaurants you've had it all the time is there something you're a bit gutted that's like oh, I'm never going to be that person at home who's going to be like I'm going to do bread this morning I'm going to because some people have cooked from the morning it seems like some nanas like yeah. you know you see in the gangster movies they start cooking at bloody six they finish at six do you know what I mean they're cooking yeah, yeah. all day bread meals 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 um it is a little bit, but I think I think um, I'll let you in on a secret. I think I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm working my way towards the point where I probably at some point will set up the restaurants and go and buy myself some amazing kind of beach house or something with, and I'll build like this tiny little restaurant that I open when I feel like it, and I'll just like spend all day cooking and do corned beef sandwiches. See that? Um, no, I don't, don't know do if the they'll be high up on the sandwich. list. I'm really pushing <laughs> the Ben Smiths corned beef and sand. We'll have that. I was just going to ask you that when. Obviously, you take a lot of inspiration from your mum and your and your nana, and it's like, did you ever think I'm going to go over there and open somewhere? Uh, As in, mm, in a really hot place, yeah, all year round, yeah. very nice near a beach. Or did we think <laughs> I'm going to go to Shoreditch where it's raining and there's lots of people that yeah. are a bit angry? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think Shoreditch and uh, particularly London. I don't think there's uh, there's many other places in the world that I could do what I'm doing because although I do I'm inspired by my grandmother, my mother, my heritage, um, and some things I do are traditional and I do them as best as I can, but I still do them my way. But actually, probably more of my food is is kind of a modern take on that stuff. So, um, and I think over the you know almost three years we've been open here now i'm kind of like managing to convince most people including the you know the turks and the, and the cypriots of my food but it certainly has been like a little bit of a struggle sometimes you get the ones who love it and who understand it or the ones who are absolutely traditionalists and like what are you doing with our food um so i think if i'd gone and opened up in cyprus or something <laughs> then uh, i would have struggled with uh, with uh, the sort of food that i do I think your your second restaurant Kaiseri is a kind of good example of that how you kind of adapt because even the name itself you've, you've changed that 
haven't you? Tell, yeah. us, tell us this, this story behind yeah, it. Yeah, so uh, Kayseri is inspired by um, the region Kayseri, which is in central Turkey, which is spelt K-A-Y-S-E-R-I. Um, and I've taken the A out of that, basically. Um, one, I just really like the word. I wanted people to be able to say it. Yeah, well, oh my God, that's a slight dig, man. No, but, no, it's all right. I'm joking, I'm joking. It's all right. Two notes, we were ringing each other last night going, go on, I'll just, you say it. Say it the same time. You say it, give us that eye. And we were like, oh, bugger. Because you don't want to, you don't want to. Turns out that no one can really say it anyway, so. (laughs) We had a strategy, we'd say it really, really fast, and hope we didn't notice. Exactly. But if people turn up, I mean, like, is is that kind of a thing, they make a joke of it, it's like, go on, how how do you, how do you say Um, it? A little bit, yeah, I think it just... It's just totally backfired, though, because no one can say it. All right, fair dues. <laughs> I mean, I have some people calling it kissery. A good, a good chef friend of mine keeps calling it kissery, and she just does it to wind me up now. But <laughs> yeah, of course she does. And hey, is it kind of like it was the fame of here going over there? People come because they've been here a lot of times, or it's just a new place to them, or have you got like a fan base there? Um, yeah, we definitely got a lot of customers going over um, who have tried Oklava, which is amazing. And then there's also loads of new people to that area, you know, who are, who are sort of just discovering, you know, the neighbours, the locals who are just sort of like would have been on their holidays. And then all of a sudden we've, we've already been open, you know, about three months now, but we still kind of get people coming and being like, oh, how long have you been here? Like, you know, and they're just like, oh, I mean, I'm around the area all the time and um so there's people who have no idea what Oglover is, but are still kind of still going, which is which is great. So we're getting it from both sides, and um, um, yeah, and and the food there is um, kind of specialises in in Turkish pasta. So again, from the region of Kayseri, they do these little dumplings um, called manta, which I believe, well, there's like an old wives' tale that apparently. Um, a, a, a new like prospective wife to the family is is challenged to make them as small as possible and the challenge is to fit 40 on one spoon which i think is impossible 40 how big yeah. are these little pastas well they literally make them like what is that like the size of a pea oh my god but then i don't like them like that because you can't put any filling in them yeah my ones i serve four for a portion but they're like massive so you loads of filling in there how many can you get on a ladle <laughs> about 10 <laughs> so is it so that's what you specialize in is it kind of just just that or oh, no 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 that's just so we've got that pasta dish and then we've also got one called edishte which is like a broken tagliatelle um so most of the time we've only got the, those two pastas on um it's our speciality but then we've also got um same as we do here we've got um a selection of snacks and then we've got some kind of larger plates starter size kind of more main course size but the idea is is still just all sharing you know is it kind of similar size restaurant uh, it's a little bit smaller this is here at Oklahoma is 45 and uh, that one is 35 and opening your second one was it as hard work as opening your first yes it was but it was kind of it was easier in some ways and harder in other ways um here i think that the main thing that was difficult with Kayseri was the the staffing challenge because I think that's even, yeah, in the three years that I've been in the restaurant business that the staffing has just deteriorated We've even had this more. Every, every person yeah. I spoke to, every person I spoke to on my radio show, and me personally as well, yeah. it's like, it's the hardest thing. Yeah. Because it's like, 
I don't know, I think it's now becoming a career, especially for the other side of it, the front of house side of it. It wasn't, you know, it's kind yeah. of looked down upon as well. Um, for English for English guys, and you know what I mean? And yeah. it's hard, It's just hard to get staff, and I don't know how that's going to change, especially skilled staff and things like you're saying, pasta making, you know, things yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. How do you go about that? How do you get the... I don't, I, honestly, I, I just, the, I, we try everything, you know. I mean, first and foremost, we try to be a really good company to work for. Like, we, we're open five days a week. We close two days a week on Sundays and Mondays. So we offer people, like, a hospitality weekend, I guess. And um, and we try and pay as much as we can. You know, we, I'm, I'm very much like, I came from Peter Gordon's Kitchens, who is, you know, an incredible chef and someone who has an ethos of making, um, you know, kitchen's a very happy place to work in. And I always, that was what I grew up in, you know, and, and that's always something that I put forward in my kitchens. And and then still, I don't know, this is still hard to attract people. I think once we get people, they're like, oh God, this is an amazing place to work, you know, but it's still hard to hold on to them. Everyone's got their own agendas. They're looking to learn as much as they can. They want to go traveling. They want to do this, that. And so, you know, it's just, I think it's just coming down to a bit of luck these days. It it's is, like, isn't it? It's about that person and the ones who stick around are the ones who will email me directly and they've seen they've seen something, they've read something, they've eaten here or whatever it may be and they're like, okay, I want to come and cook this food and then they understand it um, and they come work in the kitchen and, and they're the ones that kind of stick around the most. Really. Do you find that there's more women approach you for those sort of roles or... Is it kind of a mix? Because you kind of being a woman in what was kind of traditionally a male-dominated uh, industry, yeah. you kind of you're kind of changing that, aren't you? Um, I mean, not on not on purpose, but I guess, I guess it's kind of um, not for a while, but I certainly probably in year two here. Um, I had a long old stretch where there was a lot of there was a lot of women working in my kitchen, and there, I was getting approached, you know, emails from a lot of female chefs. Um, and which was really amazing. And people would comment on it all the time. Obviously, here at Oglover is an open kitchen, and time after time, people would be like, "God, it's so refreshing to to see like you know whole services with just women in the kitchen." Um, it's not that much. I mean, there's still it's probably quite balanced at the moment between between both restaurants. But um, yeah, I guess it, that also kind of swings and roundabout. Sometimes there's more women interested in coming to work for me, and sometimes it's not. We don't realise it, do you? Just because you've been working in that industry for so long, it's just like, oh, amazing! If they're good, they're good. It doesn't yeah. matter whether yeah, yeah. man or woman. Do you know what I mean? As long as they can do the job and yeah. do it well. Well, that's it. And yeah, sometimes I wonder as well. And I might be wrong on this, but I think, um, I think, I think definitely in the last year, it's going in the right direction in terms of what people's perception is of also like the the my restaurants and the food that I'm doing. I think people are starting to get their heads around it a bit more. Not that it's something that's really out there, but I'm just talking about for chefs. I think a lot of chefs also, the ones who are, you know, very career focused, um, are looking for places with Michelin stars or places that are kind of aiming towards that, you know, and, and well, so I don't can better their cells. And so yeah, I mean, CV. that's, that's what they, that's what they, yeah, they can put it on their CV. I mean, I guess that's, I don't want to, I don't want to judge them for it. Like if that's, if that's what you want to go and do then fine. But I, I believe that you can get a lot better teaching from like my sort of restaurants. And I'm not the only one. There are amazing restaurants doing incredible food where you actually like, you know, you have to get stuck in. Like I have as many staff members as I can, but I'm trying to run a business. I don't have, hordes of people i don't have loads of people on stages or whatever it's like 
everyone you, you know you, you get thrown in at the deep end you're on your section and you've got to be able to cook and we'll teach you that but it's hard work like and I think those kitchens you know I've seen chefs come out of them and there's so many people in them that actually like you put them on a section and like you can't you can't cook <laughs> you can't cook what have you been doing all this time you just, of it, isn't it it's yeah. kind of like it's been right in the shit if you don't mind you know what I mean yeah. it's like if you've got four people on the grill you can always pull it off on someone else but when you're actually there on your own it's like I always say when I first started doing my business for the first year I had no money and yeah. I wasn't borrowing any money so I'd got you know I bought my pan from Tesco's bought my meat from Tesco's on the first day set my business up went there made yeah. a burger and sold it yeah and did that for a year and I used to have to run the food cook the food clean everything yeah. and it was minging it was yeah. absolutely <laughs> minging it's like it was I used to say I was saying to my dad I was like why didn't you? I just should have just got a job you know what I mean like yeah. and I was like but what that taught me in that year was like, you know, I got so good. I had three pans going and I knew when I could take them off the eat to keep them cooking while I run the other food and come back. I was like, like a DJ yeah, with burgers. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. But when you get into that zone, you go, right, I've been in the shit. You can mourn all you want. This is, you've got to take your responsibility and you've yeah. got to do it on your own. And yeah. also it was fun. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, when it you, is a lot of fun. It's like, why else do you want to be a chef? You're a nutter. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, why would you <laughs> want to true. do 12 hours? You know what I mean? And, and, and at the end of the day, you go home and have beans on toast. So it's yeah. not as if you're having you know, a fire go out and duck every day. So no, it's like, true. you know what I mean? It's like getting really, really stuck in. I think that's the fun, that's my fun element of it all. I agree, I agree. It definitely is, you know, that adrenaline from, as you say, kind of being in the ship or just, well, the idea was to not get in the ship, but no, just but kind of like, saying, like, yeah. Like, it's, it, the, the four just, hours just, of this. just keep your head floating above water. Exactly. That's it. That's the, that's the key. That's the key. But, and um, there's nothing like it, you know? And, but I think a lot of chefs can't do that. Right. Let's go back to the question. That was I enjoyed that conversation. Let's go. So let's let's go back. You 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 talked about um kind of the food that your your mother and your grandmother was cooking and stuff. Um, but what was your own relationship like with food as as you were growing up as a you know kind of middle middle school getting into secondary school where you because you, you're you're tasting all these you know amazing foods you've mentioned the the produce and stuff. Did you find that you just kind of took to it and you're like this is this is amazing, or was it? Um. No, again, I'd say, again, I mean, even with my mum's cooking, I, I don't think I appreciated it as much as I should have, you know, when I was younger, because um, everything was always home cooked and, you know, and going around to perhaps other friends' houses and stuff that I'd see that there's wasn't. perhaps wasn't home cooked stuff kind of, but, you know, but you kid growing up in London and, you know, you mean, being... You're talking about having a meal from a microwave? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Do you know what though? I think it's, it's a little treat that though, isn't it? If you've had yeah, sometimes well, you'll say, "Oh, thank God, we've got turkey bloody like, Twizzlers today." They're Come having on. like tomato and cheese pizzas, which now I think are awful. You know, there's ones in the freezer packets. Chicago or, Town. Uh, Everybody talks oh, about Chicago <laughs> Town. Two, two in the microwave. <laughs> you know what though? Have one of them now. No, no, no. no, it's no. Like soggy wet cardboard. It's no. one of the, I lived off that and Ginsters in a van for uh, about two years. That was massive. I think those sorts of things smell like vomit now. But back in yeah, the day, <laughs> perfectly cubed tomatoes. Like three perfectly cubed pieces of tomato on top. Yeah, shocker. You remember a shocking amount of detail. About oh, I do. These. I do. <laughs> it's embedded into his mind. Yeah. My, my dad has a right tight git. Right, he's a right, yeah. he's very tight. And um. I, I brought up six guys to stay at my house, right? And obviously, he, you know, he's not very used to accommodating a lot of people. So he's like, don't worry. But I, I said, we'll get some tea on the way. I'll get some fish and chips. He's like, don't worry, don't worry. I'll get a pizza. And he got no Asda and he'd bought a 99, <laughs> not, you know, like the, not even a full-size pizza. It's what you'd give your cat. It was about that big. It was tiny. It was like, it was like a, 
like a 50p, and he said, right, don't worry about me, I'll just have... And he had ice, and he came out with some iceberg and an egg on his own, I was like, Dad, just to embarrass me, you brought... A, you know, you couldn't, oh, even, wow. couldn't even cut it, man. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> still he's going to kill me. You? I'm still... I'm, he's going to kill me. Was that on the menu of your first kitchen? Oh, yeah, of course, look at that. Iceberg and an egg. Iceberg and an egg. It's my dad. Inspired by your dad. Yeah, inspired by my dad. Memories. Just call it memories. Yeah. <laughs> and a yogurt. Always had a yogurt. You know what I mean? Oh, dear. Sorry. Cumbrian cuisine right. compared to your beautiful Turkish homemade right. bread. Right, but then, but then I was around, you know, 11, 12, I think, when I actually started to really get into watching cooking programmes. Like, I used to watch everything. Tell me and the then, cooking programmes you used to watch. Ready, Steady, Cook was number one, right up there. That was the first programme. You know what, I actually, because I knew you'd like that, I watched a little one this morning on the bus. <laughs> Did you? And I was like, how good? How good? Well, Simon's the same, because my, my grandma loved it. It was, yeah. it was all that time, wasn't it? It was yeah. perfect time. How good was Ainsley? It was like, it, it, it could, it could it, I don't know, it controlled that thing, and yeah. it, it was brilliant. And yeah, what, Did you ever go and watch Ainsley, it? Ainsley, I think, would be a gun in the shit, eh? What, good or bad? I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good. Because his, his arms are all flying about. He's got loads of things on the go. If it do came, a dance in the middle. If it came back, would you go on? Uh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> it might be say, Imagine if me and you got, got, got put on there. <laughs> me and you. What are you going to host? I'll do it with you. I'll, I'll host it. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to host it. Oh my god, my dream job. I just, I get, I'd get, I'd get a red tomato and a green pepper tattooed on each one of my guns. <laughs> so I'd be like, come on. Yeah. It was it, the best one for me was when they did the fun one and they got a dessert one at the end. You know, when they ever won, got to go. Oh fish. yeah, the little bit at the end. Yeah, yeah. So That's good. good. What other cooking anyway, programs um, you watch? Well, Saturday Kitchen. It's its first uh, its first outing. Now, if you remember, it had um, Greg Wallace was presenting it, and it was like a pre-recorded thing. And then they used to, you know, show like the Rick Stein programs and stuff. And I used to like record it. And then I'd sit there with a pen and pad and I'd <laughs> write down That's the serious. recipes. <laughs> yeah, dedication. And then I guess I started um, maybe 13, 14 around that. Started like cooking for my friends as well, like having little dinner parties, three course meals. Yeah. So this is Got all like self-education. Just self-education. TV, pen, yeah. when notepad. I When I went to college, catering college at... 19 they were like you know here chop an onion does anyone else chop an onion and I was like I've got this <laughs> and that was just from like watching you know it wasn't perfect but it was like from watching the, all the TV programs and ready steady cook where every day they'd be like this is how you chop an onion <laughs> well they had to do it as fast as bloody possible yeah. as well didn't they? get in there I mean I used to watch two fat ladies oh Most yeah my grandma used to that. watch that and the Stein one and then yeah. Keith Floyd yeah all I of them him all smashed them. on a boat with a glass of white wine all that all kind of them. stuff and Jamie? Jamie. The first Jamie. Jamie. I remember his first cookbook my grandma bought me. And the first page, one of the recipes was bacon sandwich just for the lads. But he'd cut the, he'd cut yeah. the bread the other side. And for some reason, that blew my mind. I was yeah. like, Jesus Christ, he's cut the bread the other way around. He's just wasted a loaf. I couldn't believe it. But is it can you remember that? But it yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah, I remember And then it, it was figs, because I'd never seen a fig. Um, he'd never seen a fig? We used really? to have fig rolls. Yeah, but I'd, seen, yeah, but I'd, never, seen, I'd never seen a fig. I thought that's what I was like. What's a pound of ham and a fig roll? That's what we used to have. Do you know what I mean? But I've never seen an actual fig out there. All that kind of stuff. I'm embarrassing myself now by telling my, no, my, my no, sheltered youth. <laughs> but um, yeah, James was good, man. In that Jamie little place. Was, yeah. He was a rock star, though, yeah, wasn't he? He was. He would turn up on yeah. his little Vespa. All the Ramses. Watched to watch everything. Just used to watch everything. Became completely obsessed with cooking, and I think I have been since, like. 
Um, and therefore, and then I kind of went through this whole phase because of watching and, you know, reading about food from all over the world. Then I would be like, think that mum's cooking was like, what is that? Like, you're overcooking the vegetables, you know. And it got even worse when I went to college because then I'm there like making these perfectly green vegetables when mum's like braising them lovely in olive oil <laughs> and all this kind of stuff so um was there a bit yeah. of tension in the kitchen at this point I definitely was she there definitely was did she let you get involved yeah yeah no she used to well on the one hand i think she used to love it but she also used to hate it because i would obviously use all the pots and pans and then she would do the washing up and just i would make a mess and um and also it was just really annoying because i'd be there like trying to fry something on this induction hob which I hated she still has it <laughs> I'd be there trying to fry something on a high heat and I'd like turn my back and I'd go back and she's like turned it down because it's like splattering too much and there I am like with the steak in the pan or something and I'm like what are you doing so it was always a bit frustrating and then I just gave up cooking there <laughs> so would you say that because of your interest in watching these cookery shows that's what actually made you want to become a chef I think so yeah um it was just, I guess, over like a, a good five, six year period where um, I just, I got more and more into cooking and, and what started off as kind of more simple stuff then really like evolved into trying these more complex stuff. And I mean, I just spend like the whole day in the kitchen yeah. um, and then, you know, and all day just watching these programs. And I think, um, but I was scared to get into the industry because because of also these these sorts of TV programs and knowing that it was, I mean, a male-dominated industry and, and what was painted very much back then was that, you know, you walk into a kitchen and you just get shouted at all day long and you can't do anything right. And I think that, that spoiled it for a long time, the Ramsey thing, because mm. when it, it just looked like it was hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. well, then, hell's kitchen. You know what I mean? Everything, yeah. it was just a bit like, do I really want to do this? Yeah. And I think if it was now, it would be completely different. Very different, yeah, I agree. Um, so... So that, that, that put me off for a long time. and then But then it kind of got to the point where I was doing this art foundation when I was sort of um, 18 and, um, and none of the lecturers really liked my work because I thought I wanted to be an interior architect. And then I was like, oh, they don't really like my stuff. I'm a bit rubbish at this. And then from lots of encouragement from sort of friends as well, just being like, you love cooking, like it's totally your passion. Just go and, just go and do it and just see what happens. So I kind of went into it really thinking... I don't have to necessarily be a chef in a restaurant. I don't have to get involved in that. I can just be in like catering. I can whatever kind of thing. And I thought, but then, you know, a few weeks into it and then working in like, you know, the, the restaurants that they've got in, in the college and stuff and kind of just seeing like all the amazing stuff about being in the industry. Then I, it kind of like sucked me right in, I think. And then I was like, actually, it doesn't have to be like what's painted on TV whatsoever. You know, and since then, every year, I think it gets better as an industry and, and kind of progresses and, and all of that stuff is like, you know, starting to become very much like old news. You know, I think it, there's still pockets of it, I'm sure, in places that are happening. But I think um, certainly the, the the people that I'm surrounded by and stuff, it's sort of like it's a bit of a thing of the past. Every single person we've, we've spoke to, haven't they, have said the exact same thing? Do you know what I mean? Like, word I think, for word. <laughs> no, but I think as well, I think as well, everyone's got an open kitchen that we've worked in. We've, we've yeah. been to interview and we've had on, and it's like, I think that's what they want. They want people to see it, and it's not about, ah, 
shouting behind closed it's doors and throwing the pants. It's a different theatre, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and that's what yeah. people want to see. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard enough to get staff as it is, like you're saying. Well, Why exactly. would you want to you know, go in there and scream at them? Exactly, exactly. So what, what was your first job in a kitchen? Um, first job in a kitchen was... Well, first is my, my, my dad used to have, like, calves, basically, greasy spoons. That was his thing back in the day. Well, I, iceberg lettuce and an egg, yeah. yeah iceberg lettuce, egg, bit of bread. I love a greasy yeah. spoon. I'm, I'm still, I still go once, once every two weeks for me. Yeah? Once every two weeks, a full-on fry-up, a proper greasy spoon in London. And I'll have to say, I'm going to say it as an ovener, they're better down here than they are up north. No. You've oh, they are. I've done it. What are you it. doing to me? I've done it. I've got so used to the difference now where someone, someone's enjoying enjoying the taste. Can, can you hear that too much? Do, do you want to make... Oh, who's that? Just One moment. Stephen? Stephen, can you put that on hold for a bit? Thanks, mate. You're famous, Stephen. You've got the best, <laughs> best sound in sellotape in town, lad. <laughs> Christ. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go on record and say it. A, a greasy spoon down here. So good. So good. Up north, we, we do fish and chips better, I think, oh, yeah. but we okay. don't do greasy spoons as good. There you go. Where was this? Was this in North London? Yeah, yeah, in and around North London, all over the place. He had them for years. Um, but the, the last one that he had was in uh, Bounds Green, so not far from where I used to live. And, um, and it, was, it was actually as a waitress, and then I did a little bit of cooking there kind of thing. But then you could say that then there was another one that was the first first proper job, not not in the family, was uh, was a tea rooms, and they used to do fry ups and stuff as well. And then that started off as like a waitress, and then I progressed into the kitchen, making some sandwiches, doing a bit of cooking, corned beef. Um, no, I don't. Coronation chicken. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I yeah. think making sandwiches is the first job, and actually you get really proud of it. I used to get really yeah. proud of my first kind of hotel making cutting all the crusts off, all that afternoon tea, because I yeah. used to work on Lake Windermere, so afternoon tea, it's like a mortgage price, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> so they, they put this little spotty 15-year-old to do the most expensive sandwich of all time, cornish and yeah. chicken and your ham and your chicken, oh, it's lovely. Oh, oh I miss that, I miss that. <laughs> so from there, from that, from that first job, bloody hell, we've got, what we've got in here now? Do I need... What is that? It's hairdryer. Black and Decker. Uh, oh, yeah, it's creepy. Oh, sorry. It's fine. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. So from there, from, from obviously working, you know, waitressing and working in the tea rooms, I mean, like, from college, you went from 19 to, what, 21, I guess? Yeah. And yep. you're working, are you doing first year always and then second year placement or...? Uh, yeah, first, first, second and third years all had placements, yeah. So first year was like a, a contract catering place. Um, and then second year was at the Landmark Hotel, and then that's big. It's big, eh? Yeah, big. Yeah. Was that scary as hell from going second? It was. That was a little bit because I mean they do like I don't know functions for like seven seven eight hundred people whatever. Was there? How how many people in the kitchen? Oh god, loads. I mean loads. Yeah, these massive, massive sections. I mean it was just like being in the wilderness. It was just like. You must have seen some stuff there. <laughs> God, spill the beans. <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I'll just say it just made me go, yeah, I don't want to work in hotels. <laughs> That's what you were saying before, though, wasn't it, about being in the section, being having so many people. Like, we spoke to a guy and he worked at a hotel and he said there's 110 chefs. Oh, really? Like, I mean, there's no... Where's the vibe? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? like, no, no, yeah. There's no vibe. Hey, Dean. That's not Dean, that's Derek. You know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> Three different radio yeah, stations going on at the same time. But it's time. true, though. I mean, like, having that... 
you can obviously, you've now got a little place, kind of your own yeah. cool thing. It's like, it's a com- complete opposite place. Yeah. So did you make that decision early on? Yes. It was like, if I want this, I want it to be mine and I want to be small, I want to be cool, yeah. do my thing. Yeah, I mean, over the over the years, but I say that that Landmark Hotel experience was probably the first one and I was just like, I'm definitely not working in hotels. I don't want anything this big. Because also then, you know, they'll be like, can you dice this celery? And I'm there for like the next three or four hours and I'm still dicing celery because you need so much of it. I'm like this is no fun. No one, no one's enjoying this, you know. And then, and then I guess from eating out lots as well in other people's places, and and also then working in other kitchens. I think, I think when you go, you know, you go up to about well, 60, 70 at an absolute push, man, probably less than that. Sixty covers at a push, and I think beyond that, I think your restaurant starts turning into something else. I think it's it's not. It, I think it's hard to maintain a certain quality in what you're doing and it doesn't matter how good you are as a chef you know again you need the team of people around you to be able to do it and I don't think yeah you don't find people putting as much love into it I think so for me it was very much you know I want small places and we put all the love in the world to like each plate of food honestly like it's just it means so much to me that people come here and they have an amazing dining experience and like they try something new but also like we cook it as perfectly as we can and we season it perfectly and like you know that i think you maintain with small restaurants it's the atmosphere as well in in the dining space when you're doing a hundred people in a room the the buzz is just definitely not the same as when you've got 40 people on a friday night and it's like everyone excited you can feel it you can hear the patter going on you yeah, know what I mean yeah. you, you sit, especially when it's in a small space I always, I always my girlfriend hates it but I always end up speaking at the table next to me because they're always <laughs> obviously as you can imagine yeah. but she's like oh Christ not again but you have a crack and you're like oh good is that that's nice and then you know you have a drink and you're chatting that's the sort of thing you want you don't want to be stuffed into a massive place absolutely no absolutely and then in my third year of college, I, I was really lucky, which kind of then led me on to my career with Peter and stuff as well, was I did this competition called New Zealand UK Link at the time, and um, I won a five-week trip to New Zealand. So that, instead of doing work experience here in London, what, I went... cooking? I'm not just an holiday. Yeah, yeah, cooking. Oh, I, <laughs> I went to a different restaurant. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, right, go on, sign me up. I mean, five weeks, that'd be amazing. No, no cooking in different restaurants. Um which was incredible and um, really like was then, you know, a completely different experience to, to the landmark one because then I'm also on the other side of the world and I'm like, well, what are these ingredients and like, what is going on here? Like, this is crazy um, and saw so much stuff and then um, got to know Peter a little bit better through that because he judged it and also I worked at his place over there and um, yeah, and then he offered me the job in the Providors. So before we I dive into that, yeah. tell us about this New Zealand experience. What yeah. what was new to you? What kind of blew you away? Um, I mean, the there's obviously a lot of um, Asian influence there, and I don't think I'd been exposed to that very much previously. Um, and so that it was amazing to see that, and basically the levels of, I mean, it is fusion food, global cuisine, whatever you want to kind of call it, but it's. Um, that it just comes really like natural to them over there, you know, and um, and like the the fish and stuff. There's just like fish. I can't remember the names of them. Stuff that I've never seen before. Um, and just the real like, it's kind of like, you know, certain parts of it. I think had like a great kind of almost like a London vibe, but like in a in a in a hot country. It was kind of well, it was kind of warm at the time, but. Um, 
um, and a really like you know outdoor living just everyone's like really relaxed I think as much as about the food it was just like the people as well and the experience of working with them um, and I went to you know one place in in Wellington which you know is a like a it's a like fine a, dining the city that isn't it yeah it yeah it. very much a fine dining place you know you doing all sorts of molecular stuff or whatever which I hadn't actually really experienced in London through you know because I was still at college at this point um and so seeing all that stuff I was like oh that's that's new which is like here there's quite a lot of places using that kind of stuff now but I hadn't seen it before so was that intimidating or were you like right this is a challenge that I want to throw myself into and take it on uh it was a little bit intimidating because uh yeah because I just hadn't seen it or worked with it before um and so the 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 recipes were kind of like complex and stuff but it was like it was it was really interesting stuff um and you know I remember really just enjoying like kind of being a part of it and again having been even that kind of restaurant which like I'm saying it was like a fine dining kind of restaurant um it did have a very chilled out vibe from you know the people that were working there so it was just really nice to be a part of we back there with like your notepad thinking right I've got to write this yeah, down yeah, don't yeah. forget this yeah but now I look back at these notepads that I had from like places that I've been to and I've got like literally like two pages of notes and then I just must have given up and like I got just sucked into a job <laughs> or something and then I'm like oh man I didn't write down any it's notes the <laughs> if it's whatever stuck in the in your head yeah. I always think whatever st- sticks in that's the one that actually matters isn't yeah it? yeah true true I just want to go to New Zealand for five weeks. Sounds amazing. I mean, it must be, it must be good to just go like so, to have that path as well to be like, oh, I've won something because that, that gives you a, a lot of confidence when anything, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it, re- it really, it really did. And and um, I mean, I don't know how much you know about like, I guess Turkish culture or like Cypriot culture, but you know, I, I was kind of brought up and wrapped up in cotton wool. I wasn't really allowed to do much when I was younger. So like, going to the other side of the world on my own was like huge deal and that was really and like they can't say no then I've got the certificate yeah, right yeah. here you go I have to go I'm gonna have to go <laughs> um so it really was yeah it, it, it really was an incredible experience also because I hadn't really been exposed to stuff like that or been allowed to like go out on my own and here I was in you know New Zealand just roaming about and when you came back and you were with Peter so what was that just he, he offered you the job there or did you come back and he was like, look, can you come and work for me? Uh, we were, I remember this very clearly, we were in his uh, kitchen um, and he said to me, what are you going to be doing after college? And I said, well, I need to find a job, obviously. Um, and he said, have you looked anywhere? And I was like, no. Nope. And, and then I said, oh, would you have anything going at the Providors? And he was like, yeah, 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 definitely. We're looking for people. And he said, but, you know, just come and like, he said it in a way of like, not come and do a trial, like just just come and see it he was like because it's quite different from here and um and so I went along and it was very different I mean that restaurant at the time was based in a hotel so uh it wasn't like a huge kitchen but it, it was thinking, it was oh, a good here size we go again. Huh? here we go again yeah, yeah no. No, no no it was a good size it was just a, a, a you know a small number of chefs and it was a lovely kitchen to work in but um but the providors is just like is a beast that you know opens its doors at like nine o'clock i don't know if they open earlier now but you know they do breakfast it's all day vibe and it's just like pumping all day long and you've got a prep and cook at the same time and that just like takes some getting used to small team or big team small team yeah small team 
nowhere to hide really small kitchen down in the basement I mean the, the if you want a lesson in like how to make use of space <laughs> that really? is a place to go and check out <laughs> yeah god so it was just kind of chucked in there and then were you the youngest in the team basically or um were you the only woman no 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 there were other women yep and at one point there it was definitely um what in my time there two years or just just over two years i was there it was like um a, a female dominated kitchen for a while yeah um i think i was definitely one of the youngest i mean it may have been the youngest for a little while yeah and did you move did you move up there or did you have two years and then go right i'm gonna go and set my own uh, no, I kind of um, did, I guess, a tour of the whole kitchen. So I sort of started off on larder, went to pastry, hot starters, ended up on mains. And then, by that point, I was kind of like uh, a more senior chef, like a senior chef to party, I guess, in the kitchen. Um, but there was nowhere, I mean, I would have, um, I saw, actually, I saw Tom Brown recently. We were having this discussion and he said something about like, you know, I think he, he would have worked for Nathan Outlaw forever if he, if he didn't want to set up his own thing. And I kind of, I said, yeah, it's exactly the same for me. Like I would have worked for Peter forever because <laughs> it was Nathan just so, Outlaw, yeah, yeah. And because I was just so happy like working with him, but I wanted to also really progress my career and I wanted to try and take on like a, a junior sewer or sewer position. And the, the two people who were above me were like, had been there for years and they, they weren't they weren't going anywhere so um so i um decided to move on you're kind of you're you're in kitchens at this point but you, you you're cooking other other people's food when, when yes. was, you had this first opportunity to cook the food that you wanted to cook i guess that came um that came although you know at providores and then later on at copapa peter's other restaurant we we were very much encouraged to kind of Put on your own dishes so i would i would and and the and the more i guess time went on i was leaning a lot more towards the mediterranean kind of like middle eastern flavors um and then when i left there which i think was in like 2013 or something um i left with the intention of, of get, trying out this whole pop-up thing which was just like raging you know at the time which has continued to and i was like okay well people seem to be able to make a name for themselves through this if you get it right and um and so yeah i spent about six months or so just trying to like contact loads of places and no one would kind of get back to me and then uh, i did a, a little weekend here or there or whatever um and started then cooking my own food and then i landed this residency at trip kitchen um in haggerston and i did a six-month residency there and that was like i put together a menu with the kitchen you know that i had and that equipment that i had to, to, to try and like present I guess uh, what I would want my like future restaurant you know the, the sort of food that I would want to be doing there and, and that was the first time that I got to really try that out Was there a moment where you kind of really found the confidence in like a dish that you've kind of were let, able to get kind of let loose on and it was your own thing you're like right this is, this is mine now Yeah um, I think I think actually the the uh, and we still have it on here. It's not another moment here at Oglava, but it, it it comes around every so often. Um, is a, a dish of pomegranate glazed lamb breast with yogurt, and it's just got some like shredded parsley and mint on the top. And we braise it overnight, and then from the liquor make this amazing like pomegranate kind of spiced jus that goes over it. Um, and it's just so simple. And I actually created it uh, at Kopapa. Um, and it was on the menu there, but people were loving it so much, and I became so confident in it. I was like, "That one's coming with me." <laughs> so Trade then, <laughs> Trade 
trademark that one. <laughs> and so uh, I, yeah, and then when when the opportunity came back round to be able to do that dish again, which it did um, at Trip Kitchen, then it kind of like cemented it for me that that was a, a great dish. And I go, I go off like, you know, sometimes you can think that something is great, but you know when something is great is when the customers are just like the feedback that's just like when you're not even asking for it the feedback is coming in your direction people are absolutely loving it so that must have built confidence because it's so that sounds like the most really traditional just so traditional like the kind of grandma cooking a yeah. cypress on the bit it, taking it there must be like right yeah and this is really making me confident and yeah on the back yeah <laughs> yeah i think um you know that that residency in particular really really did help because it was very much my own food that I was doing all the time and there was no, there was no intervention from anyone else there was no one higher than me and it was just, it was just me and people were really loving it and I was like okay I think I can do this you know but it wasn't actually until the last month that I was there very fortunately Giles Corrin I don't know why decided to come in on on Thursday evening or something with a group of friends and had dinner and absolutely loved it and wrote this incredible review and um and it just kind of like completely blew me away and then for a month we were like packed out and then I left um but that kind of really then that that was just like the cherry on top of like that residency and like having the confidence to then go on and be like okay I'm gonna do this restaurant thing I can do this would your advice be to um, to other chefs and stuff like that I've been working who want to kind of do the same thing as you? I think because I did the pop up thing and it is really good if you if you time it right. Do you get me? Yeah. It's like that six month thing. Would you, would you say to people do that before you make that massive step and that massive money thing? Because the best thing about pop ups is you can try things, you can fail, you can get better, and it doesn't cost as much money. It's to be quite honest, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I would definitely say try it. Um, a pop up is a great way to just. It doesn't even have to be like a long-term thing, even if you did like a series of a weekend here or there or whatever. But I think people will latch on to like really good food. And if you're doing something different or whatever it is, whatever your selling point is, like people find out about that quickly, especially in London. And if even if you're nailing it, I think it does. Like we just said, it just gives you the confidence to then, you know, take it to the next level and then get into all the business side of stuff and start dealing with the astronomical figures and things and you know the scary amounts of money that you're you're having to deal with was it just very simple as in like three courses a meat and a veg and then you're putting that out are you changing the menu every week what was it kind of like um well i i've always done sharing food so it was um it was just sort of like i had a, a a meat section veggie like and each each section had like three dishes on it so there was some snacks meat veggies salads um and yeah and then people just sort of would have you know four or five dishes each and just share it amongst them and then every now and again it would change as I kind of came up with a new idea or a seasonal thing came in we've got so, to stop doing these in the morning absolutely <laughs> <laughs> it's bad isn't it you know a pan out chocolate and then you've come in and you're having a lamb and pomegranate it's like <laughs> sounds beautiful so talking about the good food there um, and kind of going back to your the self education you're doing you're building up this huge VHS collection, rewatching all the shows, <laughs> yeah. and then the food that you're cooking now. How has that your approach to food kind of changed over that that time? Um, I'd say, I mean, I think I've reached the point where I'm like most confident in my food, which is good, obviously, <laughs> after doing it for a while. But I think I've, uh, you know, I'm not someone who's ever going to be. Um, 
about huge amounts of simplicity on a on a plate. I think um, it's just it's kind of not what my style is. But if I can try and explain that, I think the more later on in my years now, I'm kind of like I am cooking in a slightly more simplistic way. I think I'm I'm I am more. It's that classic thing. I think of when you when you first chefs first start get cooking, they like throw everything at a plate, and I think I've learned how to how to really hold back and know what like you know that 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 if that piece of meat is just grilled amazing and has an incredible flavor on its own that's his then mom, I'll just isn't put it? yeah a, a beautiful garnish with it and that's that and I sort of like yeah have um so I think it's changed a lot over the years through just basically like simplifying it and having more confidence to just kind of put less things on a plate let's end on something that's kind of like what what buzzes you up about London at the moment? What's your places you go to? Your day off, your Sunday Monday, your your yeah. weekend on a Sunday Monday. No one will understand that apart from people who go out on a Sunday and get in on a Monday at six. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know, I've seen you. Yeah. I've seen you. Every week. Every but it, week. isn't it? That's a, Sundays are my favourite day to go out. Yeah. Because there's no queue. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, there's something refreshing about walking home. People have got to work. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like chef week- being the key word there, isn't Mate, it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, chef weekends class, but where do you go to eat? What, you know, where what do I go to eat? I hate this question sometimes. I'm sorry. I, I, no, I love it, but I also hate it because my mind, I, my mind always goes blank. <laughs> but I have. Where, okay. where was the last like, last place I'm you went to? I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> Well, three months ago, where were we on a Wednesday? Um, <laughs> Here, yeah. obviously. Yeah. No, I was a Kaiseri, definitely. Um, places I go to eat. Sabor. Right. See, the, the thing is, when then on this on this Sunday, Monday, because obviously all week you're just like, you're eating star food and, you know, God bless us all. We try and make it as good as, as, good as possible, but you're just like normally eating on your feet or whatever. And if you get a moment to sit down, then great. You know, but um, it's just eating on the go. So you get to like your day off and you're like, God, I feel like I haven't eaten all week. So then you like, it really pisses me off if I eat somewhere rubbish. So I'm yeah, just like, I have to, I have to. Do you to want to talk about those good. places? <laughs> but the best thing no, is, I'm although, not. <laughs> although the places are closed Sunday, Monday, because they try to do the same thing as you. Yeah, yeah. true. So you're all there, all the youth queuing outside testing. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, places I love to eat. So Sabor. Um, kiln, smoke and goat. I love both of those. Um, and then, and then other Turkish places. Not testy, which I haven't been to, which I would try out. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, I just need a really good kebab. So I'll go down Green Lanes, and there's like um, along there, there's Gökyüzü, there's Diyarbakır, there's uh, Antepli. They're all really good. Um, where else? Where else? And then I can't think of anywhere else. You've been at Tom's place. I have been to Tom's place. It was fabulous. Yeah, I went there for dinner. I'm waiting for him to come to my restaurant. Tom, if you're listening. Yeah, he will. He will. <laughs> um, we always end on like, a quick fire. It won't be as quick as a normal quick fire. So, you know, that's all. Basically, we're going to throw some questions at you and it's whatever comes into your mind. Okay. All right. We might help you out if you get stuck, don't worry. Okay, I probably will. Do you want me to start? All right. So, top three foods you couldn't live without? Olive oil, mold and salt pomegranate molasses a million and a half um, favourite food guilty pleasure um, salt and vinegar crisps good simple. sticks simple the, what are they called it's the little oh the sticks oh, oh, God. God. remember the packets you, you have to you'd get the packet salt of and salt. shake mate salt and shake give it a Back shake in the day oh right right <laughs> <laughs> biggest food regret 
It's food regret. I think this everyone's got confused in this question, don't they? So. Yeah, what we're we talking about here. So it's it's in your head. I think what we said was like you know. Either putting some, you know, putting something on the menu, something you used to eat all the time, you know, that kind of thing. If you don't, like, something you've gone off type thing. Um. <laughs> Rollos. <laughs> Rollos. I love a Rollo yogurt. Biggest food regret. Um, I don't know the little, the little, the little shitty cheese and tomato pizzas. Yeah, the frozen, there you go. the little, yeah. Chicago town. <laughs> We're definitely not getting sponsored <laughs> off Chicago Town. We've hammered them every single time. We're sorry. Christ. Um, top, th- top three bits of kit you couldn't live without in the kitchen. Kit. Uh, my grill. Does that count as kit? If you want it to. It doesn't have to be electrical. Uh, my grill, definitely, number one. Uh, the oven, number two, as in the, the stone oven. And number three would be the Thermomix. There you go. I thought you would have said the uh, the meat fridge at your other restaurant. The meat fridge is good. Was it walking? No. It just looks. Does it? Beaut. Right, we're going. We're, we're coming. We're coming. <laughs> right. right. If, yeah, you go. If on. you had to eat the same meal every day, what would it be? Kebab, salad, grilled meat, bread. I'm well getting a kebab for this. <laughs> um, right, this is the last one. So who would be your ideal dinner date, dead or alive? Where would you take them and what would you have? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Um, um, oh, don't do this to me. you got time. you got oh, time. Okay, okay. We've got an hour. Ideal. We've got an we've hour. Some, we've had some weird ones, like... Anyone, dead or alive. Someone just came in straight away. Michael Jackson. Straight away. <laughs> anyway, we're thinking. So that you can be as, as far out as you want. Yeah, it's got to be good though, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to be good. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Um, all the pressure, right? But well, thinking back now to all your the cookery shows, you're thinking, right? Who was on that? Who was on that? Ainsley. Ainsley. <laughs> it would be a good crack, wouldn't it? You'd be steaming by half four. You and Ains. It's got to be Ainsley, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, go for it. That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having and where are you going? Me and Ainsley, we we are going. You're painting the picture now. It's great. <laughs> See it now. Just queuing outside Sunday night. Christ, outside mascara bar. You can't go to have pizzas in your hands. Yeah. Come on, Ains. What? I can't juggle them both. Oh God. <laughs> Me and Ainsley. Me and Ainsley for a, you know, good old fashioned kebab. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back again, guys. You, you can't beat it. See. I'm happy with that. Are you happy with that? I'm happy with that. Um, thank you so much for letting us come My to your pleasure. lovely restaurant before and annoying your chefs and everybody and your pot washer who's been um, taping many things, telling me I apologise. Um, we can see you, obviously, on Great British Menu. Yes. We haven't taught anything about that, but it doesn't uh, matter because right. it's, it's going to be a lot thing. of it. But thank you for inviting us and we're really happy that you, you let us do it. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Yes Chef. 
And thanks very much to Celine. Do you want to tackle a surname or should I? I'm never going to tackle a surname ever again. But I'll tell you what I am doing. I'm going to go in there and get some food. Oh, me too. Oh, my word. It was good. Maybe Sellotape Man will be there. Sellotape Man was... Sellotape Man was so charming, but for God's sake, when someone's recording, there's no need to put that much Sellotape next to it. Anyway, I've had a word with him. He said he's going to like and subscribe, and you guys can do the same. And write a nice review, and also go and visit Celine's place. It's so nice. Ochlever in Shoreditch. It's wicked. Thanks a lot. See you next time. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.